Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. All right, hey, let's pray. Lord, we give you ourselves right now in this moment, and I pray that we would reset our hearts and our lives around you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can have a seat. As you do, our amazing ushers are going to walk down the aisles, and they're going to hand you an envelope. So everyone is going to get an envelope today. And here's the directions with that. Do not open it. Okay, wait on that. Okay, can I get my mic up a little bit here too, please? That'd be great. So they're going to hand you an envelope. Hold on to that. We're going to look at that envelope, what's inside of it at the end of our time together. We just wanted to make sure that you all have one of those envelopes. And so we're in a series called Reset, right? If you missed last week, make sure you go online and catch up because we want to encourage all of us, all of you, to get every single one of these teachings because they're all preparation for the Reset Retreat, which again, just really highly recommend you being a part of the Reset Retreat. So we're doing this on a Sunday morning because we believe that this material and the retreat are that important. And so this is why we're encouraging you. Make sure you catch every single one of these weeks. If you miss a week, then catch it online because this is preparing us for what God has for us on September 15th and 16th for the Reset Retreat. And then make sure you register. Now, maybe you saw my video this week about the Reset Retreat, but here's the cool thing about it. It is pay what you can afford. So my encouragement to you, like I said in the video, is pay something, but pay what you can afford. I'm thankful that Reset Ministries does that. In fact, Carissa is here again with us of Reset, hanging out with us for the, the Reset series. Thanks for being here again. Last week was awesome. Love the kickoff to this. Looking forward to today's message too. But here's what I'm looking forward to even more. Not just good information, but I'm looking forward to good transformation that God's going to do in our life through this series. So make sure you're here, you engage, you receive uh, all five of these weeks and sign up for the Reset Retreat. Super, super important. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Luke, book of Luke, chapter, what is it? Chapter 13. Let's start off with this story here. Luke chapter 13. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there were any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taken up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Now I'm told that the teenagers were at their one day event yesterday and the guy preached on this story right here, and he talked about how, is it kind of weird and funny? Like, it just ends. You don't even know how the story ends. 
Jesus just leaves it open-ended. And there's a lot to this story here. Um, but the main premise is we can see there's a tree and it isn't producing figs, right? That's kind of the central part of the story. This tree is supposed to produce fruit, but it's not. And so the owner of this tree says, let's just cut it down. But the gardener's like, no, no, I got three suggestions for you. And let's see if these three things help this tree produce some fruit. So if you're taking notes on your piece of paper, you all got that piece of paper when you, when you walked in, right? The bottom there, you can write this. Here's the three suggestions that the gardener gives so that the tree can produce fruit. Number one is give it more time. Let's give it more time. Number two is special attention. He says, I'm gonna give it special attention. And then number three, fertilizer. I'm gonna fertilize this thing. And this is gonna help the tree produce fruit. Now here's the deal. These three things will help you and I produce fruit in our life as well. These three things will help us grow. So let's talk about these three things. Three steps that we can take for growth. Let's apply these to our life here. So number one is give it more time. How many know it takes time to grow? Have you learned that? It takes time to grow. We're all in this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. As followers of Jesus, this is what we want to be. This is who we're called to be, to grow in this process called sanctification. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. That is the goal. But it takes time, doesn't it? Never forget this last winter and spring, Amy was homeschooling our youngest daughter, uh, who, by the way, is legally and officially ours. She is a renta as of Wednesday. So super excited about that. We have three official little rentas in our home now. <laughs> yeah, they're not so little, I guess, anymore, but to us, they still are. Uh, so we're thanking God for that. It's a fun celebration. But they were doing homeschool. They had this science class. And what they did for science class was they planted some seeds in some cups. And, you know, as a little kid, you get excited. You plant some seeds and you wait for them to grow. And so every day she would go outside and look at these cups with the planted the seeds. And after a couple of weeks, she was really frustrated. Like, there's nothing growing. What's the deal? And so for her, it was firsthand experience of learning. It takes time for things to grow. Finally, something sprouted out and and then other things sprouted out in another cup, and things began to grow, and she was super excited. But it was just one of those lessons that growth takes time. It's important that we give ourselves time. It's, it's important that we take the time to put ourselves in a position for us to grow. This is why I'm really encouraging. I keep leaning into this really heavy right now because we're in this season that we're calling Back to the Church. Uh, but really encourage you to be a part of this five-week series called The Reset. Because I know that if you make the time to be here and receive this, these messages, that God has then the ability to do something in your life because you've created this time and this space for him to speak to you. And not only that, but then you and I are creating some good habits because it's easy to fall out of the habit of coming to church. It's like super easy. And this is a good habit for us to have because this puts us in a position where we take time out of our lives to grow. Amen. And time takes growth. This is why I just keep saying, be here all five weeks. Make sure you're back here again next week and sign up and register for the Reset Retreat. I promise you, if you give that whole weekend, the whole time of your weekend to the Reset Retreat, you will not regret it. And I believe that God's gonna be speaking some new things to us today. And this is just gonna be preparation for all that he has in the coming weeks and in that weekend at the Reset Retreat.
And so this is just you and I create, just being intentional about how we spend our time. Time's an interesting thing. It just keeps happening. And how we use our time, I've learned, is really a matter of trust and priorities. Trust and priorities. Can I trust God with my time? It's a trust issue. In fact, who's in control of my time? Is it me or is it God? Am I allowing God to speak into how I manage and use the time that I have in my life? So it's a trust issue, isn't it? And it's an issue of priorities. What am I going to prioritize? Am I going to live according to priorities that honor God? And so time is an important thing. Like you think we're more than halfway through the year 2023. So there's about five, five and a half months left of 2023. So 2023 is going to come to an end, isn't it? These next five months or so, they're going to pass. This year will be over. That's a fact. But the question is, am I going to grow in these next five and a half months? So time will pass, but will I grow as time passes? And so it's more than just a time issue. It's how I utilize my time, right? That's why these next two ingredients, these next two steps are really, really important. Let's talk about special attention. So the gardener says, I'm going to give this tree special attention. So it's more than just time. Like the Owner of the tree has already allowed time for this tree to produce fruit. Three years, he said. And that hasn't produced the fruit. And so the gardener says, let's give it some more time, but then I'm going to do a couple other things with this. I'm going to give it special attention. Maybe your translation says, I'm going to dig around the tree. And so what does that do? When you dig around a tree, what it does is it opens up the soil. It softens the soil. It prepares the soil. It puts the soil in a position to receive what is next, to receive the, the nutrients. And here's the deal. The soil matters. The soil is, is very important, friends. If you want to grow a healthy tree, you got to have good soil around it. If you want to grow grass, especially here in Phoenix, you got to have good soil. The soil matters. And this really represents our attitude our teachability, our humility is the soil of my heart in, in a position where I'm, I'm willing to receive from God. Yeah. Jesus even told the parable of the soils, and our, uh, our heart can be hard and resist what God has for us. Our heart can be shallow and can receive and can be excited, but then I go out, and, and after I hear a teaching, I can go out and be excited, but it doesn't go deep into me, and so there's no life change that happens. I don't walk out and obey it. The goal is that I have this soil that's prepared, that's open, that's ready to receive what God has for me and ready to receive the nutrients. So let's talk about the third thing there, the fertilizer. Maybe your translation says manure. Some of the translation says, says that. I'm going to put manure on this thing. Okay. Well, really what this is is nutrients. So the tree, it needs time and some special attention and some nutrients. And so the special attention, the digging of the soil, prepares it to receive these nutrients. And now the tree is probably going to produce fruit. Now you think about the nutrients. The tree can't, cannot provide its own nutrients, can it? The nutrients have to come from an outside source. Has to come from out, something outside of it. The tree cannot provide this for itself. So here's the deal. When it comes to growth in our life, here's what we need to understand. The past is the best predictor of the future unless changes are made. 
So this tree has been, should have produced fruit for at least three years is what we can tell from the story, but it hasn't. And unless something changes for this tree, it will never produce fruit. And the same is true for our life. The past is the best predictor of our future unless changes are, are made. See, when it comes to your growth, the past is the best predictor of your future. You and I are experiencing what we're experiencing right now based upon how we've been living our days. The past is the best predictor of our future, unless changes are made. And so we're in this series right now, and this time just really to ask, what are the changes that need to be made? And maybe it's time for us to have a reset in certain areas of our life, or maybe in a lot of areas uh, of our life. So let's talk about this tree, that tree on your picture, or your paper there. Uh, It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Beautiful tree. So this tree here, let's look at this, because this is going to be an illustration or metaphor for us. This tree represents us. And just like this tree, we have fruit, we have a trunk, and we need nutrients that will help us grow. And so let's talk about what those are as it relates to us. What is fruit for us? Fruit is our outer life. This fruit represents our behaviors and actions, our feelings, and our words. It's everything on the outside that people can see and sense from us. This is our outward life. So our fruit, whether we realize it or not, it affects every area of our life. It affects us personally, but more than that, it affects our relationships. It affects our professional life. It affects our spiritual life. Fruit affects all of those things. And another way of looking at the fruit is, this is basically how you and I measure success. It's how we measure happiness in our life. This is the results of our life. That's what the fruit is. It represents our outer life. Then we have the trunk. The trunk represents the core of who I am. Hey, this is my identity. This is my purpose and my belief system, which is so, so important. So if you're taking notes, you can write all these things down. The trunk, this is the core of who I am. And this is my belief system. What do I believe about God? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about other people? My belief system about all those things affects how I live my life because our life is directly impacted by our beliefs, whether we realize it or not. You and I act certain ways to people, around people, based upon what we believe about them or what we believe about ourselves or even what we believe about God. My beliefs determine my behavior. Your beliefs determine your behavior. Years ago, I lived in this town called Walla Walla. Walla Walla, Washington. It's a great place to live. Loved my season there. And one of my favorite things to do for my personal time was to go to the Y, the YMC. I would go and I'd work out, play basketball with a bunch of guys there. And, and I would lift weights and exercise. And then I would go sit in the hot tub for like three hours. It's just, I loved going to the Y. And there was this sign in front of the weight room. And I would go there, again, i go there like several times a week. And the sign in front of the weight room said, no thongs allowed. So I remember the first time I walked in, I'm like, ah, oh, that's a bummer. I can't wear my thongs into the weight room. That's kind of weird. I guess it's a safety issue. I don't know. I can't wear my thongs. And so I went back and I changed my, my thongs. And I put my basketball shoes back on because I, I guess you know, I got to wear these basketball shoes into the weight room. And so for years... 
I never wore my thongs into the weight room. And then a couple years later after that, I was talking about my thongs that I was wearing, and the guy's like, what? Like, what'd you call those things? He's like, aren't those like flip-flops? I'm like, no, these are thongs. And he's, he's like, bro, you probably shouldn't call them thongs. I'm like, why? What's the big deal? They're thongs. He's like, those are flip-flops, dude. Anyone like me and grow up calling flip-flops thongs? Okay, because I'm not alone here, right? They're thongs. And honestly, as soon as that guy made fun of me, my mind flashed back to like all those years like, oh, that's the thongs that they were talking about for the weight room. I literally thought I cannot wear my, my flip-flops into the weight room, and so I didn't for over three years because the sign said no thongs. Little did I know I was talking about thongs that I don't typically wear. It's a different type of thongs, okay? But here's the deal. It is a clear example of my beliefs determine my behavior. I believed thongs was something else. I literally didn't own any types of those thongs, thankfully. <laughs> our belief determines our behaviors, and it happens in little things, even funny things like that, but it happens in big things. It happens in painful things and hurtful things. Carissa shared a story last week about a lady who had a bad experience with her father. And her father had hurt her in this moment, it was just a very painful thing. And she didn't realize it at the time, but she had this belief that entered her mind, really entered the core of her being. And that belief was men cannot be trusted. Remember this story? And so she lived that way for years. And she, this lady, like decades later, was at a reset retreat just a few years ago. And God spoke that to her and God revealed this belief that she had in the core of her being, that men cannot be trusted. She should have had this belief that my dad can't be trusted, but for whatever reason, she translated it into men cannot be trusted, and then all of a sudden, things began to make sense for her. That's why she had sabotaged many relationships with men in her life, because she had this core belief that men cannot be trusted. There are beliefs inside of us that impact how we live our life. And we've got to learn to pay attention to them. So this is the journey we're on. We're just inviting God deep into the core of our being. God, would you speak to me? God, would you reveal any beliefs that I have? Some of us are believing lies. And these lies have us in a prison that we don't even realize. And so this journey that we're going on is really God reveal the lies that I believe in my life. Because these lies are determining how I live my life. You know what's interesting about a lie? Is that... Lies in and of themselves are not powerful. They're only powerful when you and I believe them. That's what gives a power to a lie. You ever notice that? And so we've, we yoke ourselves up. We come into an agreement with a lie, and then little do we know, we put ourselves in a prison. We're in bondage because of that lie. And Jesus wants to set you and I free from these things. And it doesn't matter how many years we've been following Jesus, we can come find ourselves in a place where we realize, man, I believed a lie about this. And Jesus wants to set me free from that. This is the journey we're on. I want to encourage you to ask, ask yourself this question, God, what are the lies that I believe? What am I believing in my life? Maybe there's some lies that you think about yourself. 
Like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. Uh, God, I don't think you could set me free. I don't think you could do this. So we've, we've yoked ourselves up to some lies. And let's be honest, guys. Lies are evil. Let's call them for what they are. Lies are evil. You and I are being deceived by lies, and sometimes we don't even realize it. Some of those lies that you believe are words that people spoke over you. But you need to rebuke those in Jesus' name and let the power of those lies fall and drop. And that's what Jesus wants to do in your life. And so this is the question I want to encourage us to ask. What are the lies that I'm believing about myself, about other people, even about God? Because sometimes we can find ourselves with this mindset of this is who God is. And because I did bad, God's going to punish me. And we have all these false beliefs, these false narratives, they're lies, that we can believe about God that hinder our relationship with him and hinder how we live our life. So you want to ask yourself this, God, what are the lies that I'm believing? God, I want to know so I can break the power of these lies over my life. These lies, they, they cause issues in our life. They cause tension. They cause struggle. They can cause us to just be overwhelmed and, and worry and just full of anxiety. You ever notice how you can just be going through your day and all of a sudden you just start feeling this, this pressure inside and you're just like, I don't feel good anymore. I'm just stressed. I'm kind of worried. I'm mad. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. I'm even angry. You ever notice how all of a sudden something can happen? Maybe somebody said something or you saw somebody, or you just thought about something, and it triggered that emotion. And all of a sudden, it just began to consume you, began to take over. It's as if someone turned up the heat in your life, and it's just gone, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Have you ever felt that? You ever been there? The goal for us is that you and I grow to become self-aware yeah. to recognize these things. Like, oh, something's going on inside of me. Yeah. Something's happening. Because what happens is, the heat gets turned up inside of us and then we react and we do something, we say something. Some of us, we explode. Others of us, we go into hiding and we just become a recluse. We just push everybody away. Both can be hurtful to ourselves and to other people. And then we left finding ourselves feeling guilty and like, why did I respond that way? What's... And whenever that happens to me, I just take a moment to say, God, I really do need your help in this area. I'm not perfect. God, I need to keep growing, and there's, I'm struggling with this area. And what I need to do is invite God into that space, into that moment, into that feeling, into whatever's going on. A couple weeks ago, at the Renta household, we were on high stress level. It was the first week of school, which is always crazy for families, but we were dealing with some pretty crazy school stuff with our kids, like battles that were just it was almost like spiritual and just crazy. So we're, all on, we're on high stress level, all of us. We're getting on each other's nerves. And one night I found myself, I, I, I yelled and I, I raised my voice. And then after I calmed down, I just felt really guilty about it. And I felt like that's, that's not who I want to be. That's not the type of dad or the husband I want to be. And so I had to apologize and repent. And we talked through the, you know, just all the emotions because we were all struggling. But it was one of those moments that I, it, it took me a few moments, but I had to humble myself and just really relax and say, God, I need you. I'm not perfect, but I need your help in this because we're, I'm stressed. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm frustrated. I was really frustrated about things. 
It's amazing how we can be frustrated about situations, but hurt people through it. And I did that. And we can all do that, right? And so this is you and I just growing in becoming more self-aware of saying, okay, God, there are some areas in my life that I need to invite you into, and I need your help. And the good news is he wants to help. He wants to be there for us. So uh, let's talk about the nutrients, okay? Because this is so important. We got to understand what are the nutrients for us in our life. This is what nourishes us so we can grow, right? Every plant needs nutrients, and the, and the plant cannot provide these for themselves. It comes from an outside source, and the same is true for us. We need nutrients in our life. So what are those things? Grace and truth. That's what you and I need more of in our life. Grace and truth. We need grace from God. Come on, how many of you are thankful for the grace that we receive from God, right? Like, that's how our relationship with God begins, where it's like, okay, God, I realize I, I've messed up. I've rebelled against you. I've sinned, but you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my sin on the cross, for dying for me, and forgive me. And we, we step into that relationship with him. We commit to following Jesus, and it's only because of his grace. We don't deserve it. But his amazing grace is so big that he's like, no matter what you've done, man, you've, you've confessed, you've asked for forgiveness, you are forgiven, you are set free. My grace is sufficient for you no matter what you've done in your life. And his grace changes us. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I just love God's grace. And it's not just for salvation, right? It's for every day. We, 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 love, we need God's grace every day. We need to walk in his grace. We're never gonna achieve perfection ever. We're going to say things we shouldn't say. We're going to put our foot in our mouth. We need his grace. And so I'm just thankful for God's grace, for his comfort in our life. And we need his grace. But we also need his truth, Absolutely. not just his grace. Because we just lean on just grace, grace, everything's okay, everything's okay, everything's okay. I, I just, then I am prone to not deal with lies and issues in my life that are holding me back and hurting other people. So sometimes I need some truth from God too, right? This is why we need to be in his word. We need the truth of God's word. His word will encourage you, but sometimes it'll correct you. Sometimes it'll rebuke you and me, right? We need truth. So we need God's grace and we need his truth. You know, Jesus came in grace and he came in truth. And he said, you'll know the truth. And you know what the truth produces? Freedom in our life, right? Truth produces freedom. But we need it from God, but not just God. We need it from other people. Grace and truth from God and from other people. You know that when God created man, he looked at man, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So from the very beginning, you and I were designed to have relationship. We were intended for community. And it always feels good to receive grace from other people, right? When you mess up and you blow it, and they're just like, I forgive you. I, I love you, and I still believe in you. We need to have people in our life that know the worst things about us and still want to put their arms around us and just love us. I'm with you. We, need that. we just need those grace friends. I pray that we could be a, a grace church, a grace community, where no matter what you have done, what you're doing, what you're walking through, we're going to put our arms around you. We're going to give you empathy and give you grace, and we're going to say we're with you. We're with you. And that feels good when you have a friend that does that, right? It's just that grace. We love that grace and that empathy 
that just recognizes that I see you and you're not alone. But we also need truth from other people too. We can't just accept the grace and say, but don't give me any feedback in my life. We need to be people who receive feedback. Again, this is why the soil matters. Is the soil of my heart able to receive feedback and input? I need truth from other people. You know, it's amazing that God designed us to live in community because he knew that's how we would grow. We need other people to grow in maturity. I've seen very immature Christians who they're fine with God. Me and God, we're great. We're like this, but they can't get along with other people. And it's through relationships with other people that you and I grow in maturity. And so we need grace and truth from other people, not just from God. So we need both, okay? We need vertically from God and horizontally from other people. This is why I just keep hammering this message of make sure you go to the Reset Retreat. Sign up for that weekend. Be there because you're going to receive grace and truth from God and from people who love you, people who believe in you. Get into a fall group. Make sure you sign up on your Connect card because you're going to get in community with people and you're going to receive grace and truth from people who love you and care about you. We need community, friends. It's so important. So this is the ingredients that we need in our life, grace and truth. And so let's talk about the fruit of our life because we all have fruit coming out. We've talked about that all summer, right? Fruit. Fruit happens. It just happens in our life. And we can see fruit in our life and realize, ah, maybe I need to change this fruit or I need to uh, develop some good fruit, have better fruit in my life. So how do I do that? What do I do? Now remember, fruit are the behaviors, the actions, it's the feelings, it's the words, it's the outward part of our life, right? And so what happens is we see fruit needs to change, and so we have in our minds some ideas of what we need to do to change, So one of man's remedies is environmental change. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you've seen this before. This is where we externalize our problems. The problem is outside of me. And if I change that, then life will get better. So here's what we do. We uproot ourselves and we move to another city or move to another state because it's just gonna be better there and easier there. Or what we do is we change jobs because you won't believe those people, man. It was just a... It was a toxic culture. Man, they just, it was not a good work environment. And so I just had to get out of there. I need a new job. And so we quit our job and we get a, a new job. Or you see people are just like, I, just, I don't know, this church is just not doing it for me anymore. I'm gonna leave this church. I'm gonna go to a new church. We change our environment because we're not feeling it anymore. Or I disagree with some things at that church. So I'm gonna go to this church. And then you'll find out you don't don't agree with everything there, too, because that's that's going to be impossible. But here's what happens is we can find ourselves just uprooting ourselves and moving and changing the environment. But here's the crazy thing, is that the same issues keep popping up. You ever notice that? You see this? I've seen this uh, in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives, where they thought a change of scenery was going to be the thing that would bring the change in their life that they needed. But the same fruit kept happening. You know why? Because they were there. It's one of those interesting truths that you and I need to to, to know and understand. Wherever I go, there I am. Right? It's true. So many times the problem is not outside of me, it's in me. 
You know, they say that you cannot have a relationship that's healthier than you are because you are a part of that relationship. So environmental change we think can be the answer, but that doesn't change the inside. That doesn't do deep work change inside of us. Think about if we did that to a tree. Like that tree's not producing fruit. I'm just gonna dig it up and put it over there. Nah, it's not working over there now. I'm gonna dig it up and I'm gonna put it over there. Man, what's the deal? It's still not, it's still not producing fruit. I'm gonna dig it up and I'm gonna put it someplace else. If we did that, did that to a tree, it would die. And why do we think that that's gonna happen for us? Environmental change is one of those changes that we feel like, oh, this will be the, the answer. The next one we try to do is behavioral change. This is where we focus on the fruit that we don't like. So this is bad fruit, so I need to change the fruit. Again, our fruit, behaviors, actions, thoughts, feelings, words, all those things. We look at that, and maybe we realize a change of scenery is not gonna cure this, so I just gotta change my behavior. That's what I gotta do. I'm gonna stop doing this. I'm gonna start doing that. So we stop this. We start doing this. Stop, start, and so, but it's all about the external. It's all about our behavior. I'm gonna stop yelling at my kids, and I'm gonna be more gentle. I'm gonna be more patient with my kids. I'm gonna stop smoking, and I'm just gonna start exercising. I'm gonna stop worrying, and I'm gonna start trusting. And we just focus on the behavior. Now, what can happen is that can help on a surface level, yeah. And it can help for a little while, but it will not bring about the lasting deep change that you want to see and that God wants to see because it's not dealing with the cause of our behavior, the inside. It's not dealing with the trunk. Jesus said this, Luke 6, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that our fruit is a result of what's inside of us. Our fruit happens naturally because of what's on the inside. So we can't just focus on behavioral change, but another change we try to make is what is called a cognitive change. I just need to change my thinking. That's what I need to do because my thinking is affecting my feelings and the words that I'm saying, and so it's just driving my behavior. So if I replace all the negative thoughts with the positive thoughts, then I'll see the life change. And so, again, it's like stop thinking that, start thinking this. Stop that, start this. I'm gonna think this way. This is called the replacement principle. And this can be, again, a good step in the right direction, but it still isn't dealing with the deep change that needs yeah. to take place inside of us because we're not going to the source. So one example of this would be memorizing scripture. Maybe you've done this before. Memorize scripture and you meditate on it, especially if it's something that you want to grow in or maybe in an area you're struggling in. You ever done this before? I do this all the time. In fact, I highly, highly recommend it because we need to get God's truth into us. Okay, so the, again, this is a very good step in the right direction. 
but we'll meditate, we'll memorize on that, because I just want to, in the moment of temptation, or I'm feeling down and discouraged or negative, I want to replace those thoughts with the truth of God's word. Very good thing to do. In fact, it's very biblical. Do this. But we can't just focus on just the behavior and just the thought patterns in our life because this isn't completely completely the answer. What needs to happen is that truth of God needs to get past our thoughts into our heart and our soul for deep transformation to take place. Because we can't just fall into this trap of thinking, I gotta focus on the behavior. And then that's what change, that's what's gonna change my life. Because then we fall into the performance trap. If I just perform better, if I just try better, I just gotta do better next time. That's what I gotta do. And it's all about performance, and we focus on the outside, we focus on the behavior. But then what we're doing is we're focusing on the fruit, but we're not going to the root, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Our issues aren't fruit problems, they're root problems. So we've got to get to the source, the root, the inner of our being. We've got to deal with this, and this is the journey we're going on in this series. So we can see and experience deep transformation that God has for us. So this is why we want to give special attention to our growth. We want to receive the nutrients, grace and truth from other people in our life, from God. All of this is going to help us grow and experience what Romans 12 talks about, life transformation. God doesn't want to just give you information. He wants you to experience transformation. Now, this this information is important, but as we apply it, we obey it, we live it out, that's when transformation takes place, okay? So God's all about changing us from the inside out. That's the title of this message. Did you see that at the top of the page? Change from the inside out, okay? So remember, Jesus said, out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks, So let's deal with our heart. Let's deal with the inside. What is God's remedy for change? What does he want us to do to change our fruit? Well, the answer is simple. It's a heart change. It's a heart change. Take a notes, write that down. God's answer, heart change. Any lasting change, any deep change has to take place in our heart. It's a change in my belief system. It's a change in my identity, which my belief system and my identity are directly related. Who do I believe God is? Who do I believe I am? Proverbs 23 says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So this is what I'm thinking in my heart and the depths of my being, what I believe. This is a belief system issue. I love this quote by A.W. Tozier. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Who do you believe God is? Do you believe he's someone out to get you and point out all your faults and wrongs? Or do you believe that he loves you and that he's for you and his grace is sufficient for you and he wants to help bring lasting change from the inside out? Who do you see God as in your life? It's so important, and I just love that quote because this is the most important thing about us. There's lies that some of us are believing about God. There's some false narratives that we have about him that we need to identify and break in our life because it's it's impacting how we live. It's impacting our relationship with God and it's impacting our identity, how we see ourselves. That's really what identity is in its simplest terms. Identity is how I see myself. So 
there are things that we believe about ourselves that we can or we can't do based upon how we see ourselves. You and I are living, we are acting, we are behaving according to how we see ourselves. And so as we bring this time to a close in the next few moments, we've got a few moments here to go here, but this is so important. I want you to catch this because I believe God's gonna begin to speak some things to you in these last moments together. Are you ready? Make sure your heart is in a position to receive because this could literally change the rest of your life and your eternal destiny. Here's a question. Do I wanna see myself the way I see me or the way God sees me? How do I wanna see myself? Because when you see yourself the way God sees you, I promise you it'll change your life. I'm talking about not just intellectually agree with what God says about you in his word, but in the depths of your being that you see yourself the way God sees you and what he has declared over your life. This is gonna be a change deep in our heart, change in our beliefs that's gonna come out in our actions about how we live our life. So one last story to really illustrate this, and this is the story that Pastor John Mark read. Just a little brief part of the story. Judges chapter six. The beginning here, we read about a guy named Gideon. And I love this story. Gideon is a guy that you and I can all identify with. So verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. Very important details in there. When you see things like that, you gotta ask yourself, like, why is he hiding the grain from the Midianites? And it kind of it keeps coming out in this little narrative that we're reading here. But here's Gideon, ordinary guy. He's a hard worker, just trying to make a living. Every time they are producing this grain of their harvest, the Midianites come in and they steal it and they rob from them. So his family gets ahead a little bit. His family has something. They're excited about it. And someone else comes and robs it from from them. And so that's why he's hiding down in the pit, the bottom of this wine press. He does not want the Midianites to see him or to know what's going on. And then as we see here, Gideon is going to have a very hard time receiving the message that God was bringing to him. Verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. You ever find yourself thinking these things and saying these things and talking to God like this? Well, God, if you're for me, then why is all this happening? That's what Gideon's saying, right? Like, I'm just gonna even forget you just said the whole mighty hero part and just kind of bypass that. Like, what on earth are you talking? Like, God's not with us. Why is all this happening to us? Where's God? Where's his miraculous power? Where are you, God? Why is this happening? We can identify with the humanity of Gideon here. And he goes on, verse 14. The angel of the Lord uh, appeared to him and said, oh, sorry, next one, 14. I read that verse, right? 
Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I just love that God essentially is ignoring Gideon's whining attitude and answer. He just keeps going on. I am sending you, he says. The Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So what do we see Gideon doing here? He is literally doing what Jesus said. He is speaking out of the overflow of his heart. What's inside of him is coming out, right? I think God, an angel of the Lord, probably God himself, this is one of those, like, perhaps a theophany, uh, a Christophany, Jesus revealing himself right here to Gideon, meeting with him in this moment, giving him some pretty awesome words. And Gideon's like, "Eh, I don't think so. The belief system that Gideon has about himself is very clear here, isn't it? I'm not good enough. My family, we're nothing. Have you seen my family? We're weak, and I'm like the least one of all of my family. You said something about a mighty warrior. I can't be a mighty warrior. Like, my family doesn't even matter. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm not good enough. You see, Gideon had already defined himself, but he had defined himself with what is called external definitions. All the definitions that he believed about himself were all external things. So if you're taking notes, write this down right here in your notes on that paper there. What are external definitions? These are things that are based on on our present performance. This is what we do. These are things that are based on our past, especially our failures, what we've done. These are things that are based on who other people say that we are, the opinions of others. Gideon believes in the opinion of what other people says, of his past, and he's taking in all these external definitions, and he thinks this is who he is. And the truth is, some of us are doing the same thing. We believe we are who we are based upon what we've been doing, based upon our performance, based upon our family, our past. It's all the same thing but I want you to receive the word of God for yourself this morning. I want you to let God to begin to define you today. Receive God's definition for your life today. See, remember this. God loves you. He is for you. And he is with you. Just like he said there to Gideon, I am with you. I'm with you. And I want to encourage you to let God define you. Don't listen to the external definitions. Don't live by those. Let God define who you are. And here's the good news. God doesn't define you based upon external definitions. God has an eternal definition of who you are. And eternal definitions are based upon these things, our value to God. You are defined based upon your value to him, not your performance. It's defined upon who heaven says we are. God alone determines your destiny. This is an eternal definition, and I want you to receive God's eternal definition of who you are today. 
And you might say, yeah, Tyrone, you don't know anything about me. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've done, how I'm living right now. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I am stuck. I am addicted. I got all this going on. And you're right. Maybe I don't. But here's what I do know. God knows. And he loves you. And I want you to know he's not defining you based upon your external definitions. He's got an eternal definition of who you are. Are you ready to listen to it? Are you ready to receive it? Because here's the cool thing about Gideon. I mean, I just love this about Gideon's story. God shows up and says, hey, what's up, mighty warrior? Hey, mighty hero. You see all the different translations. I looked it up. I think Pastor John Mark said valiant warrior, brave and mighty man, courageous warrior. One translation said powerful soldier. I love that. God just shows up and declares this over Gideon. And get this, Gideon has not even fought a battle yet, nor has he won a battle. Yet God tells him who he already is. That's the difference, my friends. Your definition from God, it's eternal, and it's not based upon your performance. You see, we think we're defined by what we've done. That's what the world says. If you do this and you're successful, then that's what we'll call you, successful. If you achieve things, it's all outward performance, all of that. God's like, no, 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 no. I define who you are. See, here's the deal. You can walk out of here, out of this place, and you can go live a victorious life, not based upon your performance, but based upon who God says you are. You are a mighty hero. You are a mighty warrior. God has declared that over you, and God's going to speak specific things to you about who you are, not based upon your performance, but based upon how he sees you. There's a definition in eternity of who you are. We've got to receive that. And so out of that, then we can go live out who we are. So the definition from God precedes how we live our life. And I love this. God came down from heaven and he told Gideon, this is how you're known in heaven. You're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty hero. So let me just say this. The truest thing about me is what God says about me. Do you know what God says about you? Do you want to know? That is the truest thing about you. So we're going to go into a reset moment here. And I'm going to just do a quick prayer, read a, a, a prayer from the scripture over us. And in this reset moment, we're just going to sit here and we're going to receive from God. And you're going to open that letter and you're going to read it. It's all based on Scripture. You'll see the Scripture references there. I want you to read it slowly, and I want you to receive what God speaks to you. You're going to hear something different. Every one of us is going to hear something different from God here today. So, would you, uh, before you look at that, look at the screen here real quick. Look at the screen, and here's the prayer for us right here. Okay, here's the prayer. Ephesians 1, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, I want you to receive this right now. Look at the screen and receive this. May give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his 
holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. God, open our eyes to receive what you have for us. Some of you, God's gonna open your eyes to him for the first time. Maybe you haven't believed in him. This is a moment for you to say, okay, God, I'm gonna put my belief and my trust in you. Give your life to him. Ask for forgiveness. Invite him into your life. Commit to following him. Let's take a few moments right now. Open that letter right now and just read through it slowly and receive what God has for you. You know, it's amazing how if we just create a little time and allow some grace and truth to come into our life, that God shows up. <laughs> and I hope you received something from God in that moment. I know I did. God was speaking some pretty important things to me specifically. We need moments like this. And, you know, oftentimes in moments like this, it's easy for women to get something out of this more than us guys. Can we just be real? Like, ah, it's okay. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. It's okay, you know. But we, we are the ones that can too easily just kind of harden our hearts and just kind of like, ah, you know, for whatever reason, this macho-ness that we have. You know, for years, I shut my emotions out and I didn't want to go there, because I thought it was what weak people did. And then I realized how powerful God used my emotions to speak to me and just to, to bring healing to my life. That my emotions, they're a terrible master, but they're a very good indicator of how I'm doing. And I needed to pay attention. And I really believe that God's going to do a great work, a deep work in the men of our church through this series. Guys, it's important for us to go on a journey. It's okay, okay, God, why don't you come and just kind of help me with this touchy-feely part of my life? And it's so important for us because God wants to speak to you and meet you right where you're at. Would you stand to your feet? Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.